Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, beginning at verse 21. Let us listen for God's word for us. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying with a loud voice came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the regional countryside of Galilee. The word of God for us. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This week we continue in Mark's gospel, the story of the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Today we see Jesus perform his very first act of his public ministry in the Galilean seaside town of Capernaum. As the story told us, it is the Sabbath day for the Jews, and Jesus and his disciples head into the local synagogue for the Sabbath prayers. Within the synagogue are villagers and scribes. The scribes were the educated and esteemed legal experts of the Torah, the law or the commands of God that were given to the Jewish people through Moses. The scribes' job was to interpret God's law, and instruct the people on how to keep the laws and to do so perfectly in their daily lives so as to ensure they would remain ritually clean or pure and not to somehow infect the rest of the community with any impurity. To break the law of God was in those days to risk banishment from the community altogether. While the scribes were offering their instruction, Jesus, this untitled man with no high social standing, begins teaching also. There's a stir in the congregation. Their ears are hearing something new. Not new laws as written in their scripture, but new interpretation of these laws of God. And those that heard, were told, were astounded. For from Jesus they hear not an oppressive or fear-instilling instruction filled with warnings for those who break any of the laws, but something altogether different, something liberating. Jesus possesses a captivating alternative authority. And he does so because he is literally possessed. As we learn back in verse 11, At Jesus' baptism in the Jordan by John the Baptist, 
When Jesus comes up out of those baptismal waters, the voice of God comes breaking out of heaven, proclaiming, you are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit of God comes to possess Jesus, indwelling him utterly, informing, equipping, and empowering him for his call, his mission from God on earth. Back in the synagogue, a commotion ensues as a man with an unclean spirit barges in and immediately approaches Jesus. The man's voice has been silenced by the power of the demon within him. It is the demon, the unclean spirit, who cries out loudly to Jesus, What have you to do with us? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Spirits recognize spirits. The possessed man comes face to face with the possessed Jesus. The unclean spirit indwelling the man meets the pure and holy spirit of God indwelling Jesus, and the unclean spirit is terrified of death. For no unclean spirit possession, no demon, no evil, nothing that opposes the realm of God can withstand the power of the spirit possessing Jesus. The greatest power there is, the power of love, which heals everything, which transforms and restores the image of God in all in whom it has been distorted by the unholy. It was into the synagogue the house of prayer that the man with the noisy and distressed spirit came while people were in there in the middle of their worship. Imagine if that were to happen here at Knox Church while we're all gathered here on a Sunday morning for worship that perhaps right in the middle of an anthem or the prayers or a sermon such a possessed person seemingly wild barges in Although the scriptures have many references to possession by demons and evil spirits, for most of us today, this is not part of our usual language or day-to-day life. But don't we, in our own lives, experience possession by unclean spirits too? Possessed by what is opposed to God? To what distorts the image of God that each of us bears? Possessed by something that has a hold on us physically, mentally, or emotionally. Maybe it's a habit, a thought pattern, a person that has taken possession of us and has enslaved our time, our attention, our desire, and or our ability to fulfill daily duties at work, home, and in society. If you have experience with addiction in yourself or a loved one, you understand how something can seem to take over a life. But we must make a distinction that addiction is a disease, like cancer or any other. And though its manifestations can at times fall short of God's desire for us, we need take care not place moral judgment on anyone suffering with the disease of addiction. 
There are cultural realities also that can take us over. Think of the fears connected with the COVID pandemic or ideologies that can possess us and soon become our God, replacing God as our object of worship. We become discontent with the slow, even though faithful, work of God. And we shift our trust either to ourselves or another person or a philosophy. And all of this can distort the image of God in us and others and silence our true voice. And the good that God would have us radiate into the world can easily become speech and action that divides and even becomes hateful and violent or even deadly. Though all unclean spirit oppose the good of God, there are some that are without question evil. The Nazi Holocaust embodies this as a prime example. All the world's history of any kind of genocide or slavery has to do with evil spirits. The reality of structural racism and white supremacy for us in our modern day here in our nation where we have modern-day forms of slavery, modern-day forms of lynching. We refuse asylum to some refugees. We place people in detention. Children are in detention holdings. Many of them are going to spend their childhood growing up in what seem to be cages. Racism and all the ways it serves to oppress and to ignore the image of God and others, to distort our own vision of how we view others. And suddenly we become fearful and we deem others as not worthy for the same entitlements we might have. All of this is an unclean and evil spirit. We saw signs of this a few weeks ago at our nation's capital with the insurrection where we witnessed actions, speech, flags, symbols of the evil of white supremacy and bigotry and hate. The unclean spirit cries out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Priest Michael Marsh imagines another way Jesus might respond. What have I to do with you? Everything. And Jesus' actions reveal that is indeed Jesus' answer. Everything, Jesus says. I have everything to do with you. These are words that can bring this man back to himself again, back to life to restore his image of God that has been distorted by this unclean possession. Jesus commands the spirit to be silent and to come out. He does not do so with weapons or violence, but with the power of compassion and love. In trying to resist, the unclean spirit convulses the man, knowing its power over this man is coming to an end the unclean spirit cries out, gasping for life, but is defeated and is gone. The scribes, the congregation, are amazed. The formerly possessed man gets his voice back, his own voice. 
He gets him tr- his true self back, which is nothing less than the image of God. It's restored. And he serves to spread the news of this Jesus throughout the region. That there's a Holy One of God who has come into their midst. The very kingdom of God coming near to them. And that this is very good news. I confess to my own recent experience with a a spirit that is in opposition to God's good. I call it scarcity thinking. It's something I'm just prone to for whatever reason. Not only in my own life do I become afraid of not having enough of what I need or think I need to survive or to feel secure, but when that thought takes me over, I easily project it out into the world until everything I see seems to not be enough. As you know, through the generosity of you, this body of Christ, Knox Church has the ability to assist people who are struggling financially to pay their rent or utilities. And although we wish we could help everyone, we cannot. So it's a difficult task that Adam and I undertake with your blessing, but we do so prayerfully and faithfully. And in this pandemic, so many are still in their homes or apartments, but are without work, having lost their job due to being furloughed. One such young woman called us last week. She's a single mom of a six-year-old girl, falling farther and farther behind in her rent because she lost her job. She's been in touch with all the agencies and help sources we usually refer people to. But in this pinch, she's hoping for some emergency help to get her by another month. As a standard, I called the landlord to verify some information and gather more information. We played phone tag, but I explained why I was calling and that I was calling from Knox Church. And the landlord left me a message and said, first of all, thank you, and I want to talk to you about something else. And this is where my scarcity thinking took possession of me. I immediately wondered, what is he going to ask of us? What more? Because there's endless need. He has many tenants. Will he hope that we can help everyone? And knowing that there's just not enough to go around. Well, the landlord called me back, and I could not have been further from the truth. In fact, he, he's a young man, and he and his business partner have a small construction business and they had been wondering how can they serve during this time of pandemic when so many are suffering and when I called he said we got our answer he and his partner have offered Knox Church their services of construction or any repairs our building might need free of charge as a service in gratitude for this church helping his tenants And suddenly what had taken me over as an unclean spirit was stripped away by the power of grace, by the power of this man's love and compassion. That is the good work of God, always at work to undo what takes possession of us in ways that distort God's image. A larger example of the good that God is doing comes right from our denomination, our Presbyterian Church's Washington Office of Public Witness, 
organized three live stream events in the wake of the insurrection, all to respond as people of faith and help us converse about what do we do from here? How do we respond as God's people to what we witnessed? And I listened and engaged with this panel of four women leaders of our denomination, all women of color, African-American, Asian-American, Puerto Rican-American, as they courageously called what is true that we saw, the evils of the insurrection. And they helped us sort it out and what would be a faithful response. And they did not leave us without any solution or any hope as they recounted their stories of being oppressed by the unclean spirit of structural racism. But they wanted us to go forward with hope and faith. And they offered some concrete ways we could do that, but first and foremost, they reminded us of our foundation as Christ followers, that we are to lead with love and compassion. As I witnessed in this young landlord, as we witness in Jesus in our story and all throughout the Gospels, for it is only through love and compassion, the most powerful force in the world, that evil will at last one day subside and give way to God's kingdom in full. This coming weekend, many of you have signed up for the Depolarization Within workshop that Knox Church is offering as part of the Braver Angels organization. This is designed to help people find common ground with those we love or live or work with, and even those we may call an enemy, anyone with whom we may disagree at this time of great political polarity. Through this workshop, we hope to gain freedom from any unclean spirit that has taken our minds and hearts captive, where we no longer see another as another sibling in Christ, but as someone in opposition to everything we believe and base our life upon, everything that leads to division in our communities. So, so many of you have signed up and it's given us great hope that many of us want to be free of these kinds of spirit. We want harmony and restoration of relationships and community. This is a sign that the Holy Spirit at work in Jesus is at work here and now in us. God is on the move, orchestrating freedom. What have you to do with us, Jesus, the Holy One of God? The answer is everything. The Holy One invites us to keep asking that question for ourselves and to pause and get quiet and listen. So friends, let's pause together and consider what has taken possession of us today. What has a hold on us? What has silenced our true voice distorted our true self, the image of God stamped upon us and everything that lives. In this, this 30 seconds or so of silence, let us ask, what have you to do with us, Holy One? And listen.
no matter what your experiences in life have been, surrounding being taken over by spirits that are not of God, let us never cease to claim who possesses us utterly. It's the ultimate power, the Holy Spirit. And let us conclude with an affirmation of our faith offered to us by the Apostle Paul from his letter to a first century church in Corinth, which is no less encouraging for us, God's church, today. Whenever anyone turns to our God, the veil covering our misunderstanding is removed. Now our God is spirit, and where the spirit of God is, there is freedom. And we, gazing with unveiled face on the glory of God, grow brighter and brighter. We are being transformed into the same image that we reflect. This is the work of our God, who is spirit, who is love. Thanks be to God. Amen.